Welcome to Cinema Snarks. I'm Larry. And I'm Ren. And we are going to tell you how we really feel. And today we're letting you know how we feel about Luca and the current state of Pixar Studios. So Luca is the latest from Pixar Studios, released exclusively to Disney Plus, set in a beautiful seaside town on the Italian Riviera. The original animated feature is a coming of age story about one young boy experiencing an unforgettable summer filled with gelato, pasta, and endless scooter rides. Luca shares these adventures with his newfound best friend, but all the fun is threatened by a deeply held secret. He is a sea monster from another world just below the water's surface. So, Ren, yes. what were your thoughts on Luca? Um, first of all, I had no idea you were going to have that lovely little full-on synopsis <laughs> intro there. <laughs> I figured uh, you know, if we're good, when we actually review films, I should probably probably do a little synopsis. Good, that, that makes sense. Yeah, it's good. Good job. Good job. Oh, um, there was that. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Luca. Um, first of all, if you listen to our last episode, I did talk about the fact that I am Italian. Yeah. Um, I'm half Italian and I'm half Irish-ish. Right? You know, we're all kind of little mutts here um but uh a fourth italian so there yeah yeah exactly so um but uh my you know my uh my mother's family is like you know they're very all about like oh we're italian we're italian and you know use like vafangul or that sort of stuff right they like (laughs) they're like that um so uh in addition to that i studied abroad in italy so i lived there for four months ish give or take and i learned italian i got like semi-fluent for a little while i don't really know a whole lot anymore although (laughs) just enough uh to be entertained uh by little things happening in the movie um and while i was living in italy I took a Italian cinema class. So uh, I uh, was delighted by this film in a lot of ways with just like the little nuggets that were very Italy for me. Um, like I watched the little extras on it and uh, they, you know, they in true Pixar style, they went full on with the research part of the process. Um, and I watched it after, afterwards, um, I had, after I'd watched the whole movie, but uh, when they first show the town, the Porto Rosso, uh, it looks like Cinque Terre. And I was like, that is Cinque Terre. Like I've literally been there. I've seen <laughs> those little houses in real life. Uh, it was very clearly what that was. I even had to like, look it up. I was like, cause so Cinque Terre is actually five little towns that are all connected to each other. So I had to look it up and see if I was like, I don't think Porto Rosso is a real, real place. I like double check. Um, it's not, uh, it's a made up Italian town, but it is, uh, it is absolutely based on Cinque Terre. So that's very cool. Um, a very similar name to a Studio Ghibli film. Oh, <laughs> it's like it's a very similar name. To I mean, to be fair, it's just like a red port, so it's also just Italian words. I don't know if it's necessarily a thing. No, I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's a a nod. Uh, Though yeah. the film itself is also quite similar to a different Ghibli film. Which movie? Uh, which one? Ponyo. Of course. Oh, yeah. I mean, sea human. I mean, I guess you could see the you could also little little mermaid, right? It's like (laughs) sea humans, like you do. Um. So yeah. So I really liked. I thought it was 
legit it felt very italian the whole thing i love the little italian words the piacere trombone piacere geronimo tromboni which i'm pretty sure is like nonsense it's like, well piacere means pleased to meet you um so that makes sense geronimo is just like you know it's like geronimo it's the same thing um and trompeto i'm pretty sure it's a trumpet i didn't like exactly look it up but it, yeah it, i'm I'm pretty sure it's just nonsense. So that's adorable. Um, and there were just like these little nuggets. I love that the thing that they're obsessed with is a Vespa. It's very Italian. Um, it makes me think of that Eddie Izzard joke that's about <laughs> Italy is basically just people on Vespas riding around going, ciao. Uh, it's oh fairly accurate. Um, and uh, there was also just these little little nuggets of italian film uh and it was clearly like set in just the right time period so uh in like the 1960s and 70s uh italy had this italian film renaissance um and they were making these sick movies this is around the time that uh dolce vita came out uh which is uh you know most people if you've heard of if you've only seen one italian film in your life you've seen la dolce vita um and uh they managed to like have these little uh easter eggs throughout the movie so like there is uh, at the beginning uh he like looks in the side of the mirror of the vespa and there's an actor there um and that's marcello mastriani who was like he's the main character in uh la dolce vita and he was also the main character in eight and a half and so it was like he was like the it boy of italian film at like presumably the time period that this is set so like i imagine this is set in the 19 60s ish 70s because it's supposed to be kind of based loosely based on the uh the director said like his childhood that's where it was all set um and then there was like there was like movie posters in the background i saw i counted two one was la strada um which is just you know very it's an italian film it's a well-known italian film um not as well known as roman holiday there's actually literally uh like a poster in the back with like gregory peck and Catherine hepburn or excuse me audrey hepburn the other hepburn the i didn't want to say my favorite hepburn the best hepburn the only hepburn that matters to me but i just said it (laughs) Catherine hepburn is also listen Catherine hepburn is also amazing but her and her four oscars are just fine they're fine both of the hepburns are fun but like you know audrey hepburn's also the most adorable human being that's ever walked the earth um aside from lin-manuel miranda who's also an incredibly adorable human being so they're kind of like in my parallels of like what happens this person so cute anyways I really liked Luca from a poking all of my little Italian kid, Italian nerd, little um, buttons. Uh, It was beautiful, Uh, like visually stunning, gorgeous. Um, Do we we give Pixar, I mean, I guess you still continue to, but is that something that at this point isn't really a checkmark in favor of Pixar? Because... It just is like it's if they fail to live up to beautifully animated, then it's just a negative rather than it's always a positive because literally no matter how trash the film can be (laughs) for the time it's released, 
Pixar's gonna give you something gorgeous. So is it like it's like the Bible that isn't even counted on the bestseller list because it's always the top yes. of the bestseller list. So like just, just visual know. stunningness level of a Pixar movie. We don't even count anymore because it's always the tops. I will say um, this one is interesting because it does, of course, water. Like Pixar and Disney particularly have mastered water. Yeah. We saw that the moment like Moana released. It was like, well, I don't know that we're gonna ever get water. Yeah. You know, this is it. We've hit the peaks of water recently. Uh, they were pretty high on the peak just with Finding Nemo. That, yeah. that was the start of their perfection of the water animation. The water looks gorgeous here yeah. yet again. But mm-hmm. like so a lot of the backdrops have a little bit more of that real feel. But mm-hmm. then our characters are very stylized. So mm-hmm. they definitely have like that cute, little bit whimsical factor to them that yeah. is unique compared to some of the more recent films. Uh, animation has really started to strive for that realism. And I guess recently Pixar at least has pushed back on that just a bit. So it's like backgrounds, super real. And then we're going to bring in the whimsy with our characters and stuff. Yeah, I, I don't really want realism in my animation because... I have realism in real life. I want to see stylized animation. I want to see something beautiful and pretty. And like, I want to see a piece of art on the screen. Like that, that to me is the reason to watch animation is because it is different from a live action film because you get this painted. You can accomplish more. You yeah. can accomplish literally anything. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Whereas live action, you are limited to certain aspects, you know, CGI, of course, you can have it, but getting Mm -hmm. the CGI to look as good as animation is, it doesn't happen often, I'll tell you that right now, Uh, (laughs) I'll take a beautifully animated film over like CGI fest most all of the time when it comes to visuals. Yeah, we can do a whole uh, episode all about bad CGI and uh, why practical effects need to come back. Uh, Are we going to watch watch Scorpion King and... uh, We're going to (laughs) talk about Corella's Puppy. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, I guess if we need modern examples, they're still very much here. Yeah. And we're going to talk about Jurassic Park and why it has held up over the years because of the practical effects. But we are getting off of track. Luca. Okay, so visually stunning, but who cares? Because obviously it's Pixar. Um, I care. I think it's great. Uh, um, I really liked the characters. The two boys are really great. Um, I love the little weird girl. Gotta love her. (laughs) weird girl i um uh and i loved the parents i thought that was very cute uh maya rudolph is amazing all the time uh rudolph just checking off she's literally like collecting the mom animated characters mm -hmm. this is like her fourth one over the past couple years that she's she does kind of have a mom voice like she's she's just moved into i mean she's got a lot of other voices whenever yes. she wants to drop them but she's certainly moved into the like, animated film they're yeah. like we'll put you at the mom totally one kind of wacky mom um, is right up maya rudolph's alley i will say like a uh like the nerd that i am i was a little bit uh a little bit upset that everyone wasn't italian i was like are they how dare they <laughs> you're gonna do a whole italian film and you're not gonna cast all italians Right. Which is, you know, so I don't know. I don't know where that line is. I understand that Italians don't have to worry as much about underrepresentation. Um, but I mean, to a point, I do think so. The villain character, uh, what is 
that yeah. character's name. It is villain character massimo no was it massimo no 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 no. it was some other thing oh ercole (laughs) that dude the douche um so that guy is like a uh, i had to look him up because i i didn't recognize the voice that it was going on he is actually like an italian um uh, like comedian so i thought that was cool and there's a few actors in there that are legitimately like italian actors um and i think it's not so much like it's like a cultural thing right it's not like oh we don't get enough italian people of color or you know italian people of color they're not really people of color. they're very tan um and some of them will argue with you and they will be wrong um but uh i think it for me it really just comes down to like uh, italy has such a amazing legacy of film on its own and they have these sick ass actors um i think it would have been cool if we would have worked a little bit harder right like you know if with if when we do moana we can find people that are from this culture to represent it i don't see why we can't do the same thing in hiring Italians to represent their culture. If it, it, yeah, like, yeah. this was clearly a cultural piece, right? It's mm-hmm. set in Italy. It's all about eating pasta and Vespas and there's all these little nods to everything. So I think if you're going to make that kind of a choice, then why are you not making the full on choice with all of the voice actors as well? We'll say with the voice casting, I am very happy they cast actual children. Uh, yes. Because that is, that's always a weird thing in animation is having adults randomly just voicing an eight-year-old uh, because it's yep. animation and they have kind of a kitty voice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I love and- Jacob Tremblay always. He's, he's an adorable child and a great mm-hmm. little actor. And I thought he was perfect for Luca, actually. I thought he did such a yeah. good job as Luca. The, the children actor, ch- child actors were great. And uh, yeah, I have no complaints about that there. Uh, I think probably the only one that really like kind of like irked me was um, Jim Gaffigan as the dad. I was like, this just doesn't feel right. He's he's very he's very much a white dude, and like I recognize his voice as a white, white, white no dude. flavor, like no vanilla flavor, yeah, non flavored white. Yes, no yes. Fla- white. <laughs> <laughs> yes he is. and he'd be the first person to tell you that he is basically a marshmallow. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, y'all. Is not all whites are the same. Um, I'm gonna just put it. Yeah, a lot of particularly Mediterranean bordering white kind countries have got lots of flavor to them so you can't mm-hmm. just like stick in some vanilla pop and <laughs> call it a day yeah but i guess so, this gets back to the weird conversation of the little mermaid of so they're not really citizens of whatever country they're off the coast of mm-hmm. and that was kind of uh that coupled with the like nor norway uh origin of little mermaid but it was like oh but yet you said it off the coast of the caribbean so why is everybody white as snow we don't know biology i don't know it's and it. then the same thing with this is yeah they're not technically Italian, I guess, because they're sea monsters, but also they're pretty they Italian. Are. They're, they, <laughs> they are the Italian sea monsters, yeah. you know. Um, wait, so wait, uh, is the little where is the little mermaid supposed to be set? Is it is it actually south of the Caribbean coast, or did they just hire a Caribbean actor to be, um, 
No. So oh my God, the only reason, so the, the people deduced the type of crab Sebastian is, is a Caribbean crab. And then the castles, uh, the castles that they have are modeled after like castles in the Caribbean, like the same structure. So they're like, I mean, this is, this is very inspired by a lot of, most of the sea fish. I think they noticed too are like tropical Caribbean fish. Mm-hmm. So they were like, okay, clearly this is in, heavily inspired as a Caribbean place. Yeah. They just didn't want to have yeah. black people, so, uh, Caribbeans in the yeah. roles. So they were all white humans, but. To be fair, uh, Ursula is purple. Um, Ursula is purple. <laughs> But she's the villain. So um, I will say she's oh, and she's white when she's a human. Um, But I will say uh, this is that is 1987 Disney. And I do think otherwise they're rectifying it it for the live action. They've and they've also like they've they've strive. They they strive more than a lot of companies to actually try right like Mulan legit had all Asian actors doing the voices I will say I'm gonna Moana also they they went out and got all cast um but I do think I mean because technically Pixar is a subsidiary of Disney currently they were Mm -hmm. rebought by Disney after they left for a while um I think it's because they just get criticized which is another thing Disney Disney does a lot of like shenanigans, particularly we'll get into this conversation. They're getting heavily criticized over recent years for queer baiting people or going on promotional tours of first gay character. And then it's the boy from Cruella who sure is probably gay, but I mean, is he really an openly gay character? We don't really know. Uh, same thing, uh, LaFou. Oh, cool. We got a two second dance at the end of Beauty and the Beast uh, representation. So, and they keep doing it over and over. Star mm-hmm. Wars did it, Onward did it. Uh, so mm-hmm. they keep doing that. Uh, but Disney does get, I would say, criticized heavier than Mm -hmm. most all of them when it comes to front of camera like representation because Warner Brothers gets criticized but Warner Brothers gets criticized based upon their own actions and what they do to their filmmakers um and how they like make shady deals behind the scenes and then they're like oh hey uh not because of that and so I do think one it has made Disney have to be ultra aware when they're going into these things they have to be like no 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 we have to hire <laughs> we have to make sure we're hiring correctly now because we're the company who's kind of been the poster child of getting raped over the coals for our past decisions yeah. and I think I think they've grown from it but I also do think they get up held up to maybe a little bit of a more critical lens than most other they're studios the biggest they're the biggest guy in the room they're hard to miss and so like it's the same reason that walmart was like the big bad for the longest time and everybody like held walmart up to this extra standard and everybody wanted to complain about walmart where like there's target also treats their employees like crap and doesn't pay them very well but like we just we see walmart more often and they're the this bigger thing to us so um and i you know yeah i agree i think i think disney gets more crap than they necessarily uh deserve but they also have this like responsibility as the giant in the room to try as hard as they can i also at the same time understand like uh varying your cultural representation is not really like controversial for a family film um 
but they i I think we should have gay representation in our children's film. I think the hyper religious should get over it. Yeah. However, I understand from like a business standpoint where they're like, we're making family films and we don't really want this oh. giant backlash, like legit from the crazy religious right. That it's also know, right yeah. now worse because, you know, other than the United States, the next country they want to perform well in is China. Yeah. And China yeah. is not. They will either, they make like that little bit in onward where she literally says like two lines about oh yeah my girlfriend's bit son or whatever which they which can edit out for the chinese version they then edited that out and same thing with like lefou and the star wars they put in these tiny little things so they can edit it out and actually release it into china mm-hmm. otherwise it'll get censored uh, also why they did not so great filming practices for mulan uh <laughs> oh my god to appease china and that mm, we don't need you doing that anymore Uh, again we are two movie podcast nerds (laughs) we don't need to get into the complications of how china is causing problems with media all over the world world. and culture all over the world uh but 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 i I understand the business standpoint of it and like and the other thing I do have to say is like I know kids who the only movies that they were allowed to watch when they were growing up were Disney movies um, and like you know if you've got hyper religious parents like I, even the tiniest little bit of representation is going to be good and and I think so like going back to Luca which is what we're talking about I think at the very least what uh, Luca does for queer kids is give them this uh character that doesn't fit in uh, this group of three allegory. characters yeah that just don't don't fit in right like and and you have you know you have the literal sea monsters but you also have this human girl who just like doesn't fit in she's just weird and she doesn't know why uh like i relate to that little girl super hard i was just like i was this kid who was who i was and lots of kids my age just didn't get me and then i was confused why nobody liked me i was like what's wrong with me nothing's wrong with me i'm just a a little boisterous rebel just like yes i was a little boisterous that's why i was a lot more like luca i was like (laughs) oh i feel weird and i don't this is why we're scared i'm scared of it i don't know what to do i'll slowly poke my head out of the water um and of course they have like the lines and i think i do think it's disingenuous not from like if whether it be from people coming out pr it's a little bit disingenuous to always be like shocked when queer people read into queer subtext like in something like luca i mean it can be read here i think pretty easily um uh, people took quite offense i don't know if you saw this but a review was said call me by your calamari uh as they <laughs> Sorry, right? There's an audio format. I just like made a face. <laughs> um, come on, Ren. You've watched both films. On a surface level, they look that they got the same thing. They're both set against a beautiful Italian countryside. Okay. It's two two male little characters running around the Italian countryside together. Uh, okay, listen. Now I'm gonna get like nerdy about the first beautiful of all, countryside. Too. I did not like "Call Me by Your Name." Listen, it is beautiful. It, Italy is beautiful. I have a problem with "Call Me by Your Name" and the weirdness of us being like, oh, yeah, we're like excited about an older man in a dominant position taking advantage of a younger man. Uh, I think it's weird and it's gross, especially in the same year that Kevin Spacey was Me Too'd and his career was destroyed because he spent 
years and years and years as an older man going yeah, after young to queer boys for a new role. Ugh. Okay. That's, that's a Anyways, thing. my argument is that uh, Italy is beautiful. <laughs> So just because you film a movie in Italy doesn't like call me by your name has not cornered the market. And they're not the first film to identify that Italy is beautiful and film in Italy. Like at the same, we could, Oh, it's under the Tuscan sun. Right. Like here. And then you can also get into like, there was also other like movies that this reference, like like to a point there was um Dia, sorry, the bicycle thieves. I'm not gonna be the nerd right now who's just calling things by their Italian names. Uh, but that's like, you know, the whole thing is about like a little kid and and uh his his dad figure. I don't know if they're actually uh he, he he's like a father figure. I don't know if he's actually his dad. Um, but there's like biking around Rome and all this stuff, and so I think more than anything, uh, it is about the fact that Italy is, in fact, a gorgeous place, right? And I don't think it has to do necessarily. Well, then you look at, if you look at Luca, he does kind of look like a little animated version of Timothy Chalamet. Oh, my God. All right. It looks very similar. It. <laughs> it just is yes, what it is. Timothy Chalamet looks like a little Italian boy. What? They all look the same. Have you seen my family? They all look their little olive toned dark hair dark eyebrows dark eyed <laughs> little dudes with like Ren, it just it is what it is <laughs> and then you yeah. you have that little like queer subtext that can be read into it and then it's a queer movie uh that you relate it to oh, running around the other thing i was like so the, you know one of the article that i read was like you know you see them touching each other and i'm like yes italian people touch each other we're very affectionate people <laughs> like that to me so when i saw it i don't think i necessarily read it as oh there's a little romance going on between these two little boys like i just read it as like and that's not to say i i, I to me it seems like there may be I, there is absolutely the possibility but like it just didn't seem like that wasn't the point or the intention at all like I don't think it's necessary I think you have those weird feelings like you know uh, let's say okay I'm bi I certainly understand like touching and hugging your friend and then getting weirdly jealous when they want to hang out with somebody somebody more than you like I don't think I necessarily would have identified those as any sort of queer feelings until I got much older. Even then, I don't think those are, it's just, I don't, it's hard to identify what your intentions are when you are an eight-year-old and whether or not you're like, you know, it's the thing where I'm like, oh, maybe it's just because I'm, I'm just conditioned to only want to romantically involve myself with boys. And maybe that's why I never identified with it. Whatever. Class. I hate call me by your name. <laughs> so now back to the actual little film. Back to the movie we're actually talking about. The, the, uh, this Italian countryside with two boys running around. Yeah. Um, this one. So I enjoyed Luca. However, and I know people always say it's unfair. A lot of people are saying it's unfair. And that's why a lot of the, the reviews or whatever are comparing it too much to Pixar. So Pixar as a studio has just now they can't do anything without being compared upon themselves and their previous work. My problem is this film has a lot of deeper themes, like those themes of acceptance, those themes of being an outsider that are explored in a perfectly fine way. 
they're handled well by the end you're emotionally caught up that little Mm -hmm. ending is you know Mm -hmm. super touching and super cute Mm -hmm. but I just have to compare it to Inside Out to other films that have explored deep issues and they're still so fun they're so funny and likable but they go deeper like they're, they're able to really hit upon a different level of emotion and Agreed. not every movie needs to be that and I understand that as well but <sighs> Luca is a very cute sweet film and if it was like if it was made 20 years ago we would all be like we would all love it um but uh unfortunately Pixar has raised their own bar and it's the bar yeah. for the competition too. It's like we we judge yeah. animated films on a different level now that Pixar has like brought up the entire like DreamWorks. Everybody has to raise their game now because of Pixar. I think uh, you know what you know. We're talking about the last few Pixar films, like Coco and uh, Moana was a one. Pixar film. No, that was just Disney. That's actually. just Disney. Okay, so what was the one? What, so we had Coco, so we had Coco and Soul. Soul uh, just came out onward. and Inside Out, like. Those movies, I wept, right? There are like moments where it like punches me in the heart and makes me weep. And Luca at no point made me like weep. Obviously I cried because I cried everything. (laughs) I am a sucker for sound design (laughs) that is intended to manipulate my emotions. But it wasn't like, I didn't sit there thinking about the themes for days and days and days after like it wasn't soul. inside out that wrecked you yeah like, like you just sat yeah. there thinking about it and couldn't get it out of your head coco wrecked me uh yeah inside out wrecked me same thing soul wrecked me like as an artist soul was like i can't because it's so important but it's also not the only thing that's important and it's okay if you're not a famous person and you're making art yeah I so i don't know i didn't love the actual once we got into Italy, I didn't really love the whole racing story. I don't know. I think that's my other like disconnect. The story was weak. Uh, it was just kind of there. I don't know. It was a kind of a weird uh, crux, a weird vehicle for this acceptance mm-hmm. story to do this weird little random race with yes. this, you know, over the top teenager who's bullying this little yeah. girl. Uh- <laughs> yeah, I don't think that the dots quite connected on the movie plot lines like yeah i agree the villain was like not that villainous he was mostly this kind of peripheral character right he wasn't really that lethal also like i just a lot of the like character things didn't so okay uh big things that i had a problem with in this movie were there are just these like loose ends that don't make any sense like what happened to his dad? We don't know anything about his dad. That entire plot line just kind of like I don't know, they kind vanished. Of, I mean, they do like a throwaway thing where he just like leaves him. Yeah, well, just like, like deserts him and is like, "Peace, you'll be peace better." Out, right? As and a then like eight-year-old on your own. <laughs> yeah, so like that was kind of like strange. I don't quite think I quite understood like where that was coming from. There's also something else going on with like the dad that seems very like he's like, oh, there was like he's like I hunt sea monsters, and he like never hunts a sea monster even once. He just like she's like my dad hunts sea monsters and i'm like does he now though it doesn't really seem like it it seems like he mostly goes fishing um total sidebar i loved that cat that cat was my favorite part of the movie the suspicious cat 
is everything. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm here for. It's a suspicious cat. Yeah. Um, but yeah. See, this is where I get hooked. I know we mentioned, you mentioned it in our last review for In the Heights and people had a problem with it for like Moana and they've had a problem with it for other animated films recently because we've kind of mixed it in. This is one of those movies where I actually don't think we needed a villain at all because the villain is acceptance. The villain mm-hmm. is prejudice in this movie. Like the real villain that our characters yeah. are having to fight is also- concealing who they are is is the main problem to overcome here. Not sure. some 16-year-old trying to beat him in a race. You know, but also, like it like didn't it also that even that problem, which is a legitimate problem. Yeah could have been far the stakes could have been way higher and they could have it could have been like far more dangerous for them it just didn't like seem like it was that big a deal like it seemed like the highest stakes were were that like theoretically they would get hunted but i don't know it just seemed like it didn't seem like everybody pretty quickly was like oh you won the race okay well now fine and like I get the allegory, right? Of like people, some people will never understand him. I'm like, okay, okay, grandma. But like, it's it, it's like it was simultaneously like too on the head and not nuanced enough. I don't know. It was like, yeah, so that's yeah. Where, I mean, that's where I basically am. Mm-hmm. It's like it's very cute. I yeah. think it does what it needs to do or does what it aims to do well enough. I don't think it's like a failure on that front either. It, like I said, it gets it gets you in your feels by the end, so you know it did at least something right. And I do think it develops their little friendship between the three of them really well. I think that's probably the best thing it does is develop yeah. their friendship. But it's very enjoyable to watch. The score is also beautiful. Oh yeah. Score I thought was beautiful and so well. Uh, that's, uh, this is another reason people want to like link it to Call Me by Your Name because there's music that sounds Italian yeah. that the Italian directors <laughs> use because they're Italian. Well, kind of like this whimsically. Oh yes, yes. It's just so good. I love that kind of music. However, <laughs> like the, it exists in the Italian culture. It's not like and Call Me by just, Your Name invented it. Is it is what it is, Ren. And especially when they're only like four years apart, it's gonna get the comparison, Ren. What? Ever. Oh and my it's God. not just Italy. It's like the Italian countryside. It's like, you know, it's not just a whole big country. Are you kidding me? It's mostly it's countryside. <laughs> by the water. The seaside also. It's like a village. It's barely they're tiny little towns. So, anyway. Yeah. So Luca, we started delving into the other films recently. And I think it's actually quite interesting for Pixar right now because they literally went from their most, I would say, uh, their most adult-aimed film. There's no children really oh. in it uh, with Soul. The It's not really relatable to children, the problem. Yeah. Um, it's, oh. it's very much an adult crisis movie. So my, my favorite thing was... Um, uh so uh Lathan lane was on this the colbert report uh, oh my god it's not the colbert report anymore the stephen colbert show the late note late show anyways he was talking to um oh my god is it jean michel uh, let me just double check because i'm going to uh soul tonight show <laughs> i know i'm the worst <laughs> I am a mess. 
I, it should just be in my brain. Right, right. Anyways. Anyways, so. Anyways, so he was like, so the guy who's the lead. Jean-Baptiste. Jean-Baptiste, there you go. Why All did right, you okay. get me flounder like no, that? No, I, I had to. I, I had to go too. I had you to like shady bitch. <laughs> Anyways, Jean-Baptiste wrote like soul, right? Okay, so he this he br- brings it up. Anyways, Nathan Lane said, you know, the first time that I saw it was nominated, I was a little nervous, right? Because it seems a little bit dark for a children's movie, but you know what? I don't think that it is inappropriate. I think children should learn young that it is a dark hole into their mortality. They should learn about it. And like, I mean, he's kind of right. Um, yeah, it is it's definitely like a more adult theme. But then like, I also am like, we need to talk about death way more than we do. And I and think and that's what I love it. is that just because it's Pixar, I mean, we're finally getting to the point of saying, look, just because it's animated does not mean it's for children. And I think even the studio, just because it's Pixar, it doesn't need to be firstly aimed at the kids. Uh, Pixar has been the best. This is, again, why they're held to the standard. They've been the best animated studio at being legitimate family features they are entertaining for everyone and we all gain messages from pixar little kids up to grandparents we Mm -hmm. all gain something and i do think soul still does that but it's just interesting for them to go from their most adult film i think pretty much Mm -hmm. unequivocally i I don't even Mm -hmm. think any of the rest of their films come close to one of their most childlike uh youthful feels in a long time it's been yeah, a while feel i think very like it, i mean it it feels actually like more childlike than even like toy story it it oh, yeah. feels like toy the story most... has more existential type yeah. of theming Lu- underneath luca feels like the most like just kids movie um like it feels like the most non-pixar movie either right like even bugs life seems like it has more going on it had a bit more like the first couple of cars and and cars cars is kind of like this where they have those ideas of like inadequacy or like you're starting to be replaced at your job (laughs) somebody new and hot is coming in and taking that taking you out of your workplace but I haven't it's, seen any of the Cars movies, but they already went over this. But it's still, I don't care. it's underneath <laughs> of like a fun type of thing. Cars yeah. 2, though, I mean, basically has no theme. So Cars 2 is the worst Pixar film because it doesn't touch really on much. It is a convoluted, ridiculous plot that focuses on a side character far too much. So Cars 2 is the worst. I'm yeah. sorry about it. Not sorry about it. But so also the thing is that like, you just got to look at like the writers of these movies are not the same right like they are definitely different people and like so those early movies you have you've got the andrew stanton movies like he's the one who like put together toy story and uh i think he really uh i think what was i don't remember what the last one he oh uh, i he had worked on like finding nemo and all those things so like early pixar had this very strong focus on story above everything else and you know I'm sure Cars was not written by the same person who wrote Toy Story and wrote Finding Nemo. And a a lot of it just comes down to story, right? So Pixar can always make beautiful animation. We went over this. But like, if they don't have an awesome, amazing writer, it's just not going to have the same punch. 
Um, and I, and I think that that's kind of what happened here with Luca is it just didn't have like a, a killer plot line. It didn't have a killer writer on it. Yeah. So just like kind of fell short. It just wasn't the, it just wasn't a, like amazingly written. It just didn't. I think I have it kind of mid tier on my Pixar ranking. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's the lower mid tier. I'll say that. Uh, I think I had it at like 16 out of 23, 24 of them. Um, and and that's kind of the reason that some of these sequels I haven't loved as much. Pixar went through the 2010s under a sequel mandate, basically, of like, we have to make sequels. Uh, <laughs> we have these huge films in The Incredibles, in Finding Nemo, that people have wanted forever. And that's not to say the sequels were not wanted by the filmmakers as well. Obviously, Ellen DeGeneres campaigned for like a freaking decade to get Dory a movie because she loved the character and we all love the character. Um, or a prequel in Monsters Universe, Toy Story, obviously the franchise of Pixar with four films in now, or <laughs> Upending Cars, which surprisingly is the film beforehand that had three films <laughs> in their franchise. So um, while you're chatting all these things, I'm like looking up the writers for Luca just to be like, yeah. oh, well, who did write this? And it was like a team effort between the director and uh, these two other guys that really haven't written that much of note. Like the one wrote Paddington 2, which we like Paddington 2. But like, again, Paddington 2 was not like an existential punch in the gut. No, it, was it was adorable. It was make you feel loved. Yeah. That's what so, Paddington is all about. Make you feel loved. So yeah, so it's, you know, just looking at the people who wrote the script, yeah. it is unsurprising that it is not, it is not up to snuff. Up so where does it so where does it rank for you uh, amongst their uh, recent original films i put a poll out there on twitter for us on what everyone's favorite recent original film was so obviously we've had three in a row now and we're actually getting at least one or two more so they're back to doing original films yay that's one good thing we love to see with luca it's another original yeah. pixar it's not a sequel it's yeah. not a spin-off so we have luca we had soul we had Onward as the last three. Mm -hmm. And then before that was Toy Story 4 and Incredibles 2. And then it was Coco before that. So it's Coco, Onward, Soul, Luca. How would you rank those four? So I love Coco. I think uh, we just talked about this. Uh, Forever Bugs Life has been my favorite Pixar movie. And a hot take, y'all. I know. I'm we this weirdo. Bugs Life Bugs lover. Life. <laughs> I I think it's funny. I'm a sucker for a funny movie and I love best, I the concept of collective action. I love that there's a bunch of bugs yeah. that team up together. There, sorry, there's a bunch of theater bugs who team up together to defeat a grasshopper. Yes. So there are a lot of things about Bugs Life that I like. We um, don't like him anymore because it's Kevin Spacey, but uh, Hopper is possibly one is like top tier disney villain like yeah, when you look at all of them terrifying villain he is he's one of the scariest disney villains he straight murders one of his guys to make a point <laughs> terrifying <laughs> yeah hopper's intense um i mean listen kevin spacey may be a a shitty human but that doesn't change the fact he's a great freaking actor like yeah. 
but that's the shame that's of it. Di- it's a different <laughs> cancel culture and how it works on retroactive canceling. Yeah. Another conversation for another day, obviously. Yes, but, exactly. But. Um, but anyway, so Bugs Life was always my thing, but um, I was just like thinking about it and kind of in the context of this one and Coco has to be my top. I, it's just so good. I, I think like, you know, we talk about they're all visually stunning. I think I, the, I think Coco is the most visually stunning. I think like just the, the whole city of the desert that is amazing all those yellow petals everywhere were so well done and i love gael garcia bernal always have always, always. <laughs> and well and it's like it's a story about family and it's a story about you're following your dreams and it's a murder mystery and, what and I love it's- particularly with coco is that both sides kind of learn you know, like the little boy learns the importance of family yeah. without having to give up his dream because the adults learn that their way of handling them mm-hmm. was wrong. So yeah. I love that both sides learn what yeah. they need to learn to come together. <laughs> and also, there's music and like there's not a lot of and and it's music without being like a musical, right? It, it's not it's Disney. Like, They're not like popping no. Disney's gig yes. with Coco. It's music is at the center of it without it necessarily being like. And if you don't, if you can't shed a tear during that, remember me with Grandma Coco at the uh, end. Uh, uh, (laughs) Oh, it kills me. It kills me. So, yeah, Coco is just like, I, I, number one. Yes, Coco's number one. It's now like one of my favorite Halloween movies ever. I want to watch it every year. And Halloween's my favorite holiday. So it's great. Um, it's up there with Paranorman, which we can do a whole like a thing another day. Um, so Coco See, number one. That's a good animated representation that yeah. I love. I mean, it doesn't officially happen to the end, but it's so damn good that, that yeah, you go Paranorman. <laughs> <laughs> love Paranorman. Um, okay, so anyways, uh, Lu- uh, so we have, obviously Coco is my favorite. Um, I loved Soul, um, right? That was another thing that just kind of got me in, my soul (laughs) um and like just spoke to me on a lot of different levels also it's another film that like had music without it necessarily being a musical and the music was was amazing was incredible um and uh and like I said I think it's I think it's important that we talk about death more and like mortality and and what that means and and what it means to come into the life right like it it deals with that simultaneous uh, you know leaving this existence and coming into it and what is existence and oh my god so soul is also incredible um what was the other one on the list and then it's onward and luca I almost said Luca. Okay, so I'm going to go with Luca before Onward, mainly because Luca has all of those little Italian buttons, and I can't help it. <laughs> I'm just a sucker. And again, beautiful music, even yeah, if it's not yeah. a main character. I really like those child performances. I think they are, like, some of no, the no. cutest, like, child voice actors I've ever seen. They're no, just no. adorable. I, I also, sorry, just, the kid and the sea monsters are so cute they're adorable i <laughs> i love the little sea monster animation it is so... i also wish going back to the film itself i wish we had spent just i know we loved being in a lady but this movie is actually really short for a pixar film yes um but i wish we could have spent just a little bit more time in that underwater yes. world like him wrangling those little fish sheep around was just so cute 
<laughs> it was so cute. I know the fish were also, they did a really good job. Like I thought it was like Moana level with the characters yeah. that were like, you have the, the fish that just like keeps moving to the side. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what do we talk about? Yeah. Like, and the cat, of course, the suspicious cat. So um, yeah, I, I really liked all of the characters in Luca. I liked all of the little like Italian movie touches and it just, fe it felt very much immersed in that world, which is a world that I love. Um, and connects with me a little bit more. Yeah. And so then Onward ends up at kind of at the bottom of my list. And I'll be completely honest with you. I, I just don't remember a lot about Onward. It's, it's And so that to me is just says something about it. That it like, it, you know, it's another one that didn't necessarily like punch me in the gut. Now, it also may be that Onward came out, what, at the beginning of the pandemic? pandemic? Yeah. And there was everything else happening at the same time. So I was like, I guess I'll watch this movie now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, my, my ranking is pretty similar. I yeah. also will have Coco as number one, mm -hmm. um, followed by Soul. And then I would just swap the two. I just really like you. Onward you thought, yeah, you liked Onward better. So Onward. And then I think it just, it gets to those themes a little bit better by the mm -hmm. end of it. Um, and that's coming from someone who doesn't have a brother. And we're dealing with like this brotherly love situation and I still was like oh <laughs> what's going on here uh and I'm a nerd so it, even though I don't play Dungeons and Dragons uh it still spoke to my nerdy fantasy loving heart uh to to be in this world uh <laughs> I am also a nerd so that's how you know like the rankings of yeah. my like <laughs> my nerddoms like oh they pull well, on the sides we'll, we'll tell you this I <laughs> I'm like a sucker just for fantasy. Uh, fantasy films don't necessarily have to be all that good for me to like them. So there's that too. I, oh. I give I give a little bit of passes to. Have fantasy you films. seen the original live action Dungeons and Dragons movie? Because no, that that I, is I, a night. I mean, it's not like actually a nightmare. It's just like an incoherent nonsense <laughs> mess. It's like. You want a bad movie to be so bad, it's like kind of entertaining. And the original Dungeons and Dragons is just bad and Ugh. not entertaining at all. It goes on and on and on and nothing happens, which is crazy. How in the world does a Dungeons and Dragons a movie? A movie about fantastical, or a game about fantastical story. I have anyway. played games of Dungeons and Dragons that Better weren't written. that boring. <laughs> More coherent than that. Yeah. So um, anyways, yeah, yeah I agree. I, I agree. I, really I do like, really uh, like fantasy. Um, so how do you feel now, again, that we are coming out of that a little bit? Um, how do you feel about us getting these original Pixar's? Because I know you were having, particularly with Toy Story, because we would have discussions. Uh, spoiler alert, Toy Story 3 is actually my favorite Pixar film of them all. Uh, followed by Toy Story 1. Those are my top two. I, I'm a Toy Story lover. I love them. I think. Um, but, I think, you know, like I said, we had the Monsters University. We had the Finding Dory. We had the Incredibles 2. We had Toy Story 3 and 4, all within the 2010 to 2020 decade. So Toy Story 3... I think that was the one that I thought I hadn't seen. And then I borrowed it from you. And I was yeah. like, oh, I have seen this. I just totally forgot about it. So I just think, again, that's another thing. I don't thing know that how you me... can forget that ending, Ren. That ending is like trauma. Like trauma. Uh, oh, when they give a, when he gives he away. He gives away the toys. When they're like going in that incinerator too. And he like holds a little bullseye's like little hoof as they think they're going to die together in this incinerator. <laughs> it's like so sad but so good <laughs> and then yeah the end oh the end is just like i don't know did you i, I feel mean, like I, mean, 
guess Maybe. you're just like a touch older because it's like I uh, am. I was like literally Andy's age. Like I was literally like growing up with Andy. Uh, and that's I love why that they kept him the same age. So like yeah. when he's going to college, it was like, oh, we're hey. going to college. <laughs> uh, that makes a lot of sense. That's why I'm more of a Bugs Life person because I was their target demographic when Bugs Life came out and I was all about it. See, I'm also way more into Harry Potter than you are, Larry, because I was the same age as Harry Potter when the Harry Potter books came out and I grew up at the same time as Harry Potter. That totally makes sense. <laughs> but I will say, I have to agree with you on one instance. Uh, though it's not my favorite and it's I, I think it's between 10 and 12 or somewhere in there I think Bugs Life is underrated I don't That's, know why people, people have forget it about it <laughs> people have it like pretty much near dead last like it's in the like bottom tier of their ranking like 20 to 24 area for so many lists why? that I see I don't understand it's so and good. I don't quite understand either where this hate for Bugs Life comes from it's so um, funny how do you feel about ants, Because we can't talk about Bugs Life without mentioning ants, right? Like, <laughs> what a weird time in history when that was the like. When that happened in the same year that there were like, two ants competed against each other. Yeah, the there's office. like some sort of like a philosophical theory on this thing that it's like just ideas end up in the zeitgeist. But I, I think there was some weird like studio shenanigans going on with that one. I mean, yeah, well, they're basically kind of based on the same concept i guess of the 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 grasshoppers and the ants that like it's a collective action story they're both like collective action stories i think this one is much darker one is much darker and is way more adult very dark yeah Yeah. ants was an adult people yeah Uh, ants was an adult movie about ants and a bug's life was a kid's movie about bugs so uh obviously bug's life is better i don't think anybody there's probably like two weirdos in the world that are like, ants is the best. And they're just those contrarian people that just like like to hate what everybody else likes and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a silly question, Larry. <laughs> Nobody you- likes ants more than Bugs Life. <laughs> but are you glad to be coming out of the, the sequel era of Pixar? I I'm so over sequels in a general sense. Uh, so I, I think I've been over sequels forever, basically. Um, th- it's just there's so rarely one that is worth being made, like proportionally to the amount that are being made. There's so rarely one that needed to be made that like in any way enhanced it. Now, it seems like Luca was like set up for a sequel. I mean, they definitely left it open to a sequel. I I would put money on there being some sort of a sequel where the dad comes back and he's some sort of sea monster thing. <laughs> and there's like a whole plot line with that. I would put money on that being set up right now. Um, yeah, uh, I'm happy to be out of like a sequel. I don't uh like what are you i would be happy if i believe that was thing. happening i don't think that's actually happening i don't think well, the sequels uh, will ever disappear. no i don't think they're disappearing it's just at least in the foreseeable next few films they're all Pixar original have, so yeah. it's not a there's not right. a and sequel. they they promise they're not making any more toy stories they are making a buzz lightyear movie though so Those but liars but, it is That's about outrageous, Larry. No, it's about the astronaut that inspired Buzz Lightyear. So it's not Toy Story. Um, Chris Evans is voicing Buzz, the but the actual astronaut Buzz. I'm giving you skeptical cat face right now. 
So that is what is supposed to be happening. Chris Evans <laughs> voicing Buzz Lightyear. So I guess you that, Chris that's Evans. the one that is not. Um, they will be using their other popular property at the very least to help prop up this that story. Does, uh, that does read uh, sort of plain to that. What is it? They have this like ultimate Pixar theory where like all of the toys oh, and all the movies are like related. So yeah. they're just feeding right it's into that little thing. Yeah, like the truck showing up in the movies or like these little symbols showing it, up. Yes, it has the nothing to do with the fact that there's a group of people that all work together that like to just like reuse things for themselves because it's yeah. fun and cute and they like it. It's not like I ever did a series of shows and insisted on putting Alvin and the Chipmunks into every show for a season just because it wasn't a grand conspiracy. It was just I was like, can I get Alvin and the Chip? I, I, I accidentally put out Alvin and the Chipmunks in two. And then I was like, well, now I have to put him in the rest. <laughs> oh so how did you feel about those films? Like on a quick little moment, like Finding Dory, Incredibles 2. The um, the sequels, I just, not, I'm never as interested in seeing them. They're, they're all, uh, so as we talked about this a little bit, with Incredibles 2, I give it a pass because it was made so long after the original Incredibles that it was very obviously not any sort of a, a like cash grab. And I will People say- People had been begging for it forever. Yes. So they, they could have caved yeah. at any time. And, and I will say Pixar in general, you can, you. I never get the vibe that they are making sequels for the money grab really except at all. Cars. Like, except for cars. Because you haven't watched them. Cars yes. is literal a cash grab. But right. that's what it is to sell and, toys because the movies don't even perform that well at the box office they perform okay it's like the cars. toys the merchandising for cars trumps everything at pixar thus they continue to do stuff with it right well and the thing is i bet you uh, i'm okay with so this is what leica needs to figure out is one yes. garbage thing that they can sell and make money off of and like just crank them out yes. right because like how hard is it to like it's got to be right so we we know that fur is the hardest thing to create water's fucking hard Slick to metal. create so cars has got to be like one of the easier things for them to like be animating on a regular basis so that's what like needs they need some crap to crank out and just make them some money so they can make the more beautiful love thing like maybe yeah. that was a problem because i didn't see many like Coraline dolls you know like they Which should have ridiculous. been cranking Coraline yes. dolls out and having them out at halloween yeah and people would buy them the cute little button eyed Coraline or whatever you know like yeah. that's creepy but people like that creepy stuff. Yeah, and they had like the box trolls that they could have done something yeah, with they, they just don't know how to market at all uh, they like, do not uh, the next it's like, so uh, frustrating I love them so much company, and but yes they're so good and I've never seen a bad movie from them and it is endlessly frustrating that nobody has seen nobody any of their movies because them. they don't know how to, uh, it is endlessly frustrating to me I am like I know all about Leica I've seen yeah, every yeah. Leica film I didn't even know the missing link had come out me a person who had seen every Leica film <laughs> was like what is that Oh. oh, it's from that company that I follow. And like, <laughs> they've just done such a terrible job of advertising it. Even the people who want to watch their films don't know it's happening. Anyways, we've gotten off track. Pixar, for the most part, I don't ever feel like they're making a money grab. They, they because they have established so early on that they, they, they 
put their like artistic integrity above anything else right like uh, even the story of Pixar right like I think I read through their whole Wikipedia thing once and it was like I love that basically Pixar made a bunch of money for Disney Disney tried to screw them over Pixar was like go fuck yourself Pixar went and made their own movies for a while Disney was like we're Disney we can do this and then they made trash for a while and then they were like Pixar we're sorry here you can have everything that is my favorite thing about Pixar it was such like the fact that you can literally see it in Disney animation you can know exactly when Pixar left them because suddenly Home on the Range and Chicken Little are escorted (laughs) into the chat and you're like oh we just went to maybe the worst period in Disney's entire history even worse than like the 80s and 70s right like right the people talk about like when there was the renaissance and then there was that period right before it with like the black cauldron and stuff that just like did not do very well they tried they tried real hard to tank their animation department again <laughs> they tried real hard they're like, money grubbing oh. garbage oh, yeah, yeah. no no sorry disney so what do you think no. of course it's pixar so i think it is a sure bet to get an oscar nomination yeah because they're not gonna shouldn't they're not they're not going to leave out a pixar film maybe film. um what would it get an oscar nomination for for just, animated just like best animated, animated film yeah for best animated film uh. so uh, what do you? How this are you is the year, Leica. Do you have something else coming out? Come on! <laughs> I know. I'm like other studios. This Anybody is making year. an animated film? So this is have, their weakest link. Yeah, we have Raya right now, obviously. Which we is we can talk about that one. I, yeah. We have Mitchell's versus the Machines. Have you watched that yet? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh, watch it! Uh, I love yeah. Mitchell's. Uh, <laughs> um, Wait, and then Raya versus. Luca, which one did you like better? I liked Raya more. I think I even liked Raya more too. And I didn't even really like Raya that and it's because, much. I mean, again, they both have very simple stories. That's the mm-hmm. thing, both of them. Like Raya, that's probably the biggest criticism. The story, we've seen it several mm-hmm. times. Totally. But I don't know, something, Raya just, it was a little bit more empowering. Like yeah, it, it the got world, to the- The fantastical elements of it were a little bit more fantastical. Um, yeah. And I think you just, I think you also just got a lot more- between the dragon and all the magic and stuff you just got a lot more to kind also, of like follow the hand-to-hand hand combat like yeah. that they oh. animated was amazing the animated scenes were sick and that baby <laughs> that damn con baby and those yes! little monkeys right um, if i gotta choose between suspicious cat <laughs> and con baby i'm gonna pick con baby every you time you imagine con baby on the back of suspicious cat <laughs> crossover that the we really need <laughs> make a short y'all make a damn short and put it on disney plus con baby meets suspicious cat there you go. you're welcome disney there's your best animated short oscar um but yeah so then we have like wish dragon and i know we have a couple others coming out like there's an animated musical in con in canto and canto coming out later this year so of course we have more animated films however right now I would personally give it to Mitchell's Burst of Machines uh, out of all of the animated films we've received so far this year because I just love it and think it's so more inventive. In Where can I watch Mitchell's Versus Machine? Netflix. 
It's a Netflix Sweet. film. And Great. it's from Sony Animations, who did Sp- uh, Spider-Verse, Into the Spider-Verse, oh. who was the only, the only film to stop the Pixar Disney stranglehold on Best Animated Feature, feature was Into the Spider-Verse. So and maybe? I, it took me a really long time to watch uh, Into the Spider-Verse because based on just like watching the previews, I was like, I don't know, if I, I don't like this animation style. It's kind of lame. And then I actually watched it and I was like, oh there's like a million animation styles in here (laughs) yes yeah Yeah. it's incredible um good i'm gonna have to collectively happy that it was the one to like break pixar's actually we're not that happy because ren and i are both in agreement it should have been kubo and the two strings who broke pixar and disney's stranglehold on the category but yes but unfortunately (laughs) doesn't know how to do the advertising thing and so nobody had really seen cooler than two strings and we know how the oscars voters Uh make decisions about animated films it's pixar okay well i haven't seen any of them i'll just vote for this one because i know the name and that's that's what's so frustrating you're right Uh, could just have a movie out this year this is a year that they could capitalize on a weaker pixar entry that might not actually just be a shoe in to win this is the thing that's like it stresses me out like it stresses me out because they, they need take an award so, they do and they take so long yeah. to make every movie and it's worth it it's worth yeah. the wait but it if you spend two to three years on every film that you make you can you kind of need each one to do something right like you only get one chance every two to three years <laughs> pixar's over here cranking like two yeah. out per year yeah so just, that's what stresses me out about like yeah. i mean right we've talked about this before and they don't have and then they can't have one like in the can so it would be nice like that's disney like, or pixar if they wanted to could be like hmm this is a pretty open year. We're going to move next year's movie up to November of this year so that it can win the Oscar. Laika doesn't have stuff in the can to be like, okay, we need to push this movie Which, like, up to this year because we need an award because we can't make money. You have to have to be one fair, or the other. For anybody who's listening and doesn't know what the hell we're talking about when we talk about Laika, Laika is stop motion animation. Yeah, so it makes, it makes sense that they take a long time to do things and they don't just have shit so sitting in a can. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and you can see the care in the final product you can see every detail and every beautiful art direction yes everybody needs to go back and watch all of the films that already have come out and then you can appreciate it start with Coraline almost everybody's heard of Coraline and they don't know like there's this same company is making them (laughs) I I think uh, Coraline is like one of my least favorite Leica films I I like I mean they went away from it with Missing Link but Leica even with Kubo and obviously with Paranorman and obviously with Box Trolls if if they were smart they would corner October they would like corner October release dates yeah. for animated films they would... they would take the mantle of the Nightmare on Nightmare yes. Before Christmas and Cora or not Coraline Corpse Bride fandoms yes. and corner them to be like we are yeah. the Halloween spooky animated company. they already make halloween films right and well okay and then if we want to get like real nerdy about this they're also the um they're also the offshoot of uh they're the reincarnation offshoot of the um will vinton studios and so the will vinton studios in the 80s early 90s used to make holiday 
claymation things. There's literally like there's a claymation Easter, there's a claymation Halloween, and there's a claymation Christmas. And so this studio already understood the value of targeting people at this specific time of year when they just they want to watch these things. And like a you know what the just, problem is is there are a bunch of artists and there is nobody in yeah. the room who is a business person telling you know, them <laughs> you're like we don't want corporate overrule but maybe daddy who runs nike and is all about commercialism and making money should at least give a little bit of business like savvy to the sun and be like look I like funding your pet project and all, but let's make some money one of these times. So let me show you how to how to actually make cash once. Yeah, that'd be great. I, I just, just and I only I only need them to make cash because don't I let need him touch the movie. Yeah, have, you don't no. have to touch the movie to make money. You just, just have need... to learn how to market the damn thing. Yeah, I just need to make sure. I, and it's like it's like whatever. I, I guess it doesn't matter as long as they keep making the movies. I just need to make sure that they keep me making yeah. movies because they legitimately bring me joy. And I think they're masterpieces. And they lose money every time they're released. So it's like, how much longer are we going to get like a movie? Right? Larry, how many terrible movies come out and they don't make very much money, but they still like make more money than they were spent. And this thing, like a, they don't necessarily not make enough money, not make any money they just spend so much money on these things that take three years to craft by hand that like their budgets are crazy huge i just don't understand the business yes. and it <laughs> stresses me out i just want them to do well and that's, a, that's another thing we're both in agreement on and film twitter gets into a flame over all the time is artists and the need to make art for a living the bottom line is you can you can make art that no one wants to consume because it's what you want to do it brings you joy that's your prerogative if that's what you want to spend your money and your time on however if you do want to make that your career you have to know how to sell it you have to make stuff that people want and you have to know how to sell that and movies are that yes First and foremost, you hope that they are an artistic vision and the directors and the writers and everybody on the set gets to make the movie they want to make. But at the end of the day, they're this is not just a business. This is a multi-million billion yeah. dollar business. It's a very yeah. large business. Yeah. I, I'm <laughs> over here in the to. theater industry and I'm like, if you want to make like acting related art that doesn't make any money, we're, we're over here. There's a bunch of us. <laughs> doing art that doesn't make any money but if you're gonna like but like that's what movies are right like that's why the movie industry is so much bigger than the live theater industry because you can invest a million dollars and make five million you can invest what 400 million and make a billion dollars on your crazy film right like it's it's an it's a calculated investment and you don't get the same it's it's not the same sort of investment on these sort of things and like it does not seem to be calculating any sort of investment there well, that, that brings me back to this idea we talked about it very slightly but before we end this as we talk about soul and luca do you have any ideas or 
presumptions theories and you just chit chat talk on why Disney has relegated Pixar to be the free streaming company right now. So we've had live action Disney movies in Mulan that got the premium $30. And then we got Cruella, which got the theaters or premium $30. We've gotten Marvel, obviously, that is going to theaters or $30. And then we've gotten Disney Animation with Ryan the Last Dragon, which they charged you $30 or go to the theater. But Soul and Luca are offered for free on the first day and are not shown in theaters at all. So you don't have the option even to go watch it at a movie theater. Um. Okay, so theory number one. They are salty bitches who are angry about what 20 years ago when Pixar the fact that Pixar just mostly beat them at the Oscars as well. I mean, they're still the powerhouse. We say Disney and Pixar, Disney breaks through a couple times, but Pixar still Um, is the powerhouse. Theory number two, uh, Disney's just spent a bunch of money on like acquiring Marvel and some of these other bigger production things and so maybe um there's a bigger concern about making sure that those make money in the box office um which they will um i also think there's probably somebody in an office that's just saying that people don't need to see animated films on a big screen they can watch that at home there's probably also something to do Unless with it like, comes from disney animation studios yeah and we're releasing well, it the other thing is i think the appeal of the 30 dollar uh stream it uh model yeah. oh no wait i guess because they're not charging for that well they did yeah, do it with onward not. didn't they so onward obviously <laughs> onward is the weird one because it got released to theaters when theaters were supposed to still be open and then it was like oh pandemic and then they were like oh, oh scramble scramble we'll charge you to watch it here wonder... and then like two weeks later it was free but they I wonder did, if maybe they it's like a I yeah i would say maybe i wonder if maybe it's it's like a maybe it's that onward you know they use that model on onward and it didn't work and so now they're just thinking oh this just won't work for animated films I, which actually honestly i think is kind of dumb right because i i think the appeal of the 30 dollar thing is 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 appealing to families because they're the people who end up spending the most money to try and go to an actual movie theater right like me and my husband can go see a movie for for less than 30 bucks right so we'll just go to the actual movie theater especially when it comes to something like black widow you know you're like i could watch it at home for 30 or i could go get two tickets for like 20 bucks total or go to a matinee or whatever and see it on a bigger screen and you know yeah so and like so that might be it though they're they're also just i mean i think disney is also trying really hard to like drive people to their streaming service um and i their streaming service in general is well, I mean, it's Disney, so it's very kid heavy, right? Like it was the, it's filled with Disney Channel original films. Like the, it, it, Disney Plus is the, is the like nostalgia kids film streaming service. And so the, it, I think it makes sense to me that maybe they're just trying to drive as much of the subscriptions based on these kid friendly movies, as opposed to like Cruella is a little less kid friendly. She's like, pg right um same thing of the marvel f- movies are people want to see those movie and theaters marvel, and, not necessarily and i understand marvel because that's their probably their most bankable properties is they know 
we're, if we, we have to release that because it's going to make money period if we put marvel into a theater we're not going to just put it for free here that would be stupid i think they also like know they have like so pixar's like a known quantity whereas you know a, a new cruella film is less of a known quantity and they're maybe wanting to you know uh, evaluate how well it can legitimately do in the box office to see right they're already talking about having that sequel right so like they kind of had to see will this work right but like they know that people like pixar movies so that's those are my theories yeah, that's yeah. why they're probably just releasing them straight after I'm okay this one the the pixar animators were salty after oh. this this happened to luca because it was like literally their entire slate was like you can rent it for premium or watch it in a theater except for luca literally the only one in disney slate that we're just offering for free and not sending to theaters at all um maybe and also then, disney knew that luca wasn't that good I just <laughs> think, uh, people were just like uh, yeah so the the i was like who did the pixar people piss off at upper disney that they're just like no you're the streaming service. We're prioritizing our own animated studio I mean, with Raya this year. Get out of our way. Larry, it just, I, it wasn't very good. I also have to say, Raya, Raya was probably a little bit more cinematic as well. Like it's a big action-y and you have the dragons and you have the swirly, you know what I mean? So Raya has that kind of movie theater-y feel. So that could have also been it. And Luca is a smaller film that's beautiful and gorgeous, but it doesn't would, have like the big theater uh, atmosphere necessarily. I, I would also that. just absolutely buy that somebody at Pixar pissed somebody off. Yeah, somebody absolutely. specifically on the like Luca team like pissed some, the wrong person off at Disney and their movie. That absolutely sounds like something that petty Disney. movie people would do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly. Just to like, you know, let me just make it clear who's the boss here yeah. we are the owner of you all yeah we we hold the thanos glove and you are just the infinity stones in our wheelhouse thank you very much uh, <laughs> well, uh yeah for sure so uh, i don't uh, know those are my theories it's it may be a, a specific business decision it may be pettiness petty enough. Who knows? and who knows but next up, I think it's red or uh, it's some sort of red where this big, like fluffy panda red thing, uh, I think a girl turns into that. Um, so yeah, and she's like a little redheaded girl and they show the panda in like a little backpack in like the little promo images they've released so far. So that's our next Pixar um, venture. But so let's see if it goes straight. Yeah. and then we'll know if it was like one person on Luca that pissed somebody off or it's like Pixar all around that, like that, was, that was our review for Luca and kind of our discussion about not only Pixar but Leica and animation at large animation in the world <laughs> and, and the holidays I hope you all enjoyed listening us go on and on about Luca and Pixar. If you did, please make sure to like our podcast wherever it is that you are listening, uh, specifically Spotify. I know that we are on. We're on a couple of like Google podcasts and stuff now. So that's fun. I'm going to try to figure out how to get us on to Apple so that we'll be on iTunes. Um, so that's, that's working hopefully soon. But rate us if that's a thing you can do if you're on youtube hit the like button and subscribe so you can watch the video podcasts every time they are uploaded and 
make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cinema Snarks. Ren, where can people find you? Ah, uh, Renny Poo. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't seem like a very professional name. I feel like I should maybe change it or something. Whatever. You can find the here. You know what you should do? You should visit my theater website, audaciousTheater.com. That's that's probably a better place to find me. Especially or if you're one of our our Denver folks and friends make sure that you're following God yes for sure over here in the theater um, industry making investments yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you'd like to follow me i am chili boy productions on youtube and instagram and chili boy yt on <laughs> twitter so we love y'all for listening and we'll have a snarky time with you on our next one see you soon bye well hear you soon bye